This is the Definitely Uncertain podcast, brought to you by Goldrock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. This is the Definitely Uncertain podcast, and my name is Darren Rockman. And I'm the partner at Gold Rock Capital, the 21-year-old multifamily office servicing high net worth families in Israel and around the world. And today we are talking about movies and films and the role that Israel has in this uh, industry. And to talk about that with us, uh, my very old friend, Yaron Niski, uh, joins us from Tel Aviv. Hi, Yaron. Hello, Darren. Or should I say, I say Shmuel? <laughs> yes, I was once upon a time known as Shmuel, but yes, um, Yaron, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to forget that. Uh, Yaron is an award-winning Israeli producer, writer, and director uh, with 20 years of film industry experience. His recent projects include Atlantis Rising, which he did with National Geographic and award-winning director James Cameron, and Enslaved, a documentary miniseries about the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, starring Samuel L. Jackson. So Yaron is really well positioned to talk to us about this amazing transformation that's happened with the Israeli film and TV business. So let's start with you personally. And how did you get into film and TV yourself? That's a good question. I think that you, you, if you work on television, it's only because you had to. Uh, something <laughs> burns inside you and it's like an obsession that you must be there. You must create something. You must pull something out of you. I really try to be a, a very decent man with a, with a nice steady job. And I failed miserably. I had a job and I was really good at it, but I was miserable. And then I decided to quit everything. And initially I became a, a, a comic writer, a, a screenwriter. And I wrote comedies for 15 years. And... It was the only thing I could have think of doing. If I had any other real option of doing something and doing good with it, I would probably do it because it's a very hard work to work on television. And, and for those of you from Israel who watch Israeli TV, Yaron was one of the writers on Hayyudim Ba'im in the old oh. series, right? Yeah, amongst other things. Okay, so I've got to get this out of the way. What's it like working with Samuel Jackson? It's really nice. <laughs> uh, no, when you work with, with famous people, the very nice thing to find out is that everyone on television and movies has the same defect. <laughs> we, I, I actually can speak with Samuel Jackson better than I can speak with someone who works on an accountant or something. <laughs> we share the same defect, the same something is off uh, with us and we spoke about nice things like uh, sci-fi and Doctor Who and, and Dune and stuff like that. And it was really nice. He's a nice, a nice man. Okay. The last decade has seen, and maybe even more than a decade, has seen a, an explosion in the Israeli entertainment industry, both in terms of the number of series created here locally, and, and perhaps more importantly for the Israeli economy, what has happened uh, to Israeli, Israeli TV and, and movies uh, on international markets? Homeland, Footnote, Fowder, When Heroes Fly, you know, on the spectrum. All of these have just been breakout successes. So 
how is it that we got here? How did Israel, which is not exactly known for its superstars, maybe good at a side, how does Israel go from being oranges and software to now being a, a, a sort of core player in, in the world of entertainment? I would reverse the question and ask, why just now? Because if you step into a writer's room, practically everywhere in the world, you have an amazing amount of Jews. We are the majority in most of the writer, writer's room. And in Israel, we didn't have the same effect. And now it, it's, it makes sense in my eyes and what's happening now. And the fact that we live in Israel, uh, as I found out, we, we work harder than other places in order to survive. If you want to work on television in Israel, you have to do three, four, five different parts of, of jobs that in other places you would be doing the fifth, just one. You have to be a writer, a producer, you have to carry stuff. You have to know how to, what to do with an Excel sheet. Otherwise it's just not happening because we don't have the budget that, that other places have that you can come in as a, just a writer. I don't know anything about anything else. I don't care about anything. I don't know about the couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not an option in Israel. You have to do everything. Uh, and when I uh, started working outside seven or eight years ago, I was expecting to find out uh, that I'm not as good as they are. And I was surprised to find out that I actually know more than many other people that I, I started meeting. And the fact that you can look at my story, the first thing I did on television is my own animation show called in K22, which is still the only adult Israeli animation show, sadly. And starting on television, I didn't say I want to be on television. I'm going to find some, a small part job and then climb up, up for 10 years and I said, okay, I'm on television now. I'm going to come with my own show. I'm the showrunner. That's it. I came in right. with any, the one any other options. Somehow I, I, I managed to sell it. I was actually uh, the creator of my first show and first job I had on television and, in us or Canada in Europe. If you want to be on television, you find a small, I know, a, a, a part-time internship. John, sweeping the floors somewhere sweeping in the studio. Floors, uh, 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 right. Getting coffees to the writers. Hopefully in two years, I'm going to have one j joke or one line in, right. in anything. And that by now, some of my, I'm, I'm going to get, get that credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's happening. I think the, the, the fact that Israelis found out that they can actually be as good as other people. And now we're just storming, you know. Everywhere. <laughs> so you, I think you, you know, to summarize that down, you're saying it's a combination of, you know, a, a let's call it a genetic disposition to being, to, to writing, um, number chutzpah. one, uh, chutzpah, Jewish chutzpah, chutzpah. um, yeah. together with, uh, hard work and the sort of entrepreneurial yeah. spirit that uh, Israelis have become famous for, which is you don't wait to climb a ladder. You just jump through the window. You build the house and then you, <laughs> you have to yes. Right. No, what I did is it, when I told other people uh, who I worked with that I had my first, even the, the fact that I had the, the courage or stupidity to pitch my own show with zero, really zero that experience on television, 
sounds like an act of a crazy person to, to people who are not Israelis. <laughs> I, I often say uh, about Australia that if you're entrepreneurial and you live in Sydney, so you start a business in Melbourne, whereas in, if you're an entrepreneur in Israel uh, and you live in Batyam, you start three businesses, one in Shanghai, one in New York and one in London, right? Given the, the sort of transformation that's happened, how big is this industry here today? You know, right? Give me some proportions. It's a hard question. It's not big yet, I think. We had amazing success. I've done, the, the projects that I've done were not Israeli. Were actually, I was cooperating with Canadian company, with a Canadian company as the only Israeli on board who is not Canadian or an American. But is that now I have usual? my own. Is that usual? No, fine. No. no. Somehow everything I, I, I'm doing is, I always find out later that this is not the way to do it. <laughs> I, I was doing it all wrong, but in real time, it makes perfect sense. But then people, when I, I actually achieve what I wanted, people tell me, but they were, you could, you could, you could you know, when that way right. made, made much more sense. And I say, no one told me, uh, <laughs> but, um, so, uh, but now I, I have my own, I came back to Israel two years ago and started my own production company, which I'm now developing projects for Israel and for the world and Israel, the, the Israeli television and the Israeli, uh, um, the, uh, people, like the screenwriters, the producers, directors, we got a lot of respect in the U.S. and in Europe. And, uh, but we still have a very big gap of understanding what exactly are the channels looking for. We lack this understanding of the actual needs. So you have things like powder or shtisel because no one would answer you ever. We are looking for a show about Hasidic Jews speaking Yiddish. Uh, that's gonna, that's gonna be a success as, as I did with my other projects, uh, things like shtisel, of course, are very successful, much more than powder, by the way, everywhere I went, people spoke about Stiefel and, and also Fowler, but first of all, Stiefel. We have an occasional success like Tehran, big hits, but we don't have an industry yet of factories producing masses of, of hours and, and projects, worldwide distribution. This is what I'm trying to do now, creating a, a kind of a factory, which I met this kind of factories in Canada, in the US, in, in the UK. Of, of companies that are oriented, they know what the, the, the channels are looking understand, for. Understand their target market. Yes. And they're producing it exactly. It's not just a, a hit coming out of nowhere. It's much more. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is interesting because, you know, if, if we put our sort of history, uh, you know, gla historical glasses on and look back sort of 20, 25 years, that's really where the Israeli high tech market was. There was yes. this you know, ongoing discussion about how Great technology, great entrepreneurs, a lot of chutzpah, as you say, but a fundamental misunderstanding or lack of understanding as to what the target markets require. And over the last five or 10 years, as you've had more customer facing Israeli tech companies and Israeli tech entrepreneurs who've been around now for a long time and are doing something for the third or fourth time, uh, there's a lot better understanding. So it sounds like that the film and TV industry in Israel is where the tech industry was late nineties, early two thousands. Is, is that right? Yeah, I have to agree. Now we have ICQs coming up out of nowhere, <laughs> right. uh, spreading everywhere, uh, becoming big 
proving that we can do it, but what's next? What are we going to do next? Right. Uh, uh, we don't have the, 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 the industry. So uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to, to build, I'm trying to build a factory now out of Israel because I think we have the ability and, and we have great talents and we can make things much cheaper, much faster. And the chutzpah is very good if you, if you, you can harness it, not just shoot everywhere, but know exactly what you're trying to achieve. Okay. So it's still a startup growth phase. You've worked on, you know, both, as you say, both international and on local productions. You started here, then went to the big wide world now sort of come back. Um, and, and you've touched on uh, a couple of the differences, but what other differences do you see between the way things are run, whether it's in Hollywood or in Canada or in London or in the UK uh, versus in Tel Aviv? The basic difference is I, I found out that I'm an Israeli. With uh, the number of meetings that you, know, you can ha have in, in a Canadian office about something that in Israel, you shout, you stick your head out and you shout, what are you saying? And they say, yes, do whatever you want. That's it. That was the front of uh, I made a decision. Structured, documented decision-making process. Yes. And I've been on meetings around, the, in Canada, let's say, meetings around what colors should we use in the Excel sheet. To, and then I think blue, I, I, I disagree. I, you know what? Blue might be nice, but how about red? No, I'm against red. Okay. Let's think about it and discuss this next week. And I was sitting there and I was saying, are you actually discussing the color? I, I, I was just going to randomly select colors and inform everyone. And by the way, I, I was I had so many meetings and at the end, I understood that even in the Canadian companies that I, I work with, the only thing that I could be is the crazy Israeli that says, okay, you, you discuss this. I'm going to grab a camera. I'm going to fly to the Caribbean. I'm going to shoot for three days. And it's not, um, not everyone likes it, <laughs> but at the end, I think that like everything else in Israel, the lack of structure and rules could be good, could be horrible. <laughs> uh, what, why, uh, what, why horrible? I think you've talked through some of the advantages of it, the chutzpah and getting things done quickly and working five jobs. First of all, on television, I think it prevents you from, from achieving really big things. Like Checkpoint is a company that has everything it, there is not an Israeli way of doing it. Like they actually built a company. You have to fill the form, fill a form to do X. Yeah. And you have the vision. Everyone knows how to operate. It's not just making things as we go along. You, you can do this and, and you can be bought, make an exit or something. But at the end, the fact that we, we don't have a structured industry, I think prevents us from actually achieving really great things. And of course, people are going into productions, which my luck until this point that every time I was really stupid about what I decided to do, somehow I managed to achieve it and didn't lose everything. But people trying to do a uh, big production, mm -hmm. the, the things I've done, the budget is 12, 10, $8 million, making mistakes on, on yeah. those budgets could very easily uh, make you pay for the rest of your life, your debts. Wow. 
right. or because of many companies to, to go bankruptcy. It's uh, chutzpah is nice, but uh, when it, people it start its, uh, getting hurt yeah, sure. and, uh, and everything could have be done more structured and be okay, I think this is where it, it's not. Okay. Got it. Now your career over the last half a dozen years has been really focused on the world of documentaries and some of the ones I mentioned before, Atlantis Rising and also Enslaved were, were both in that genre. Is there international interest demand for Israeli-made documentaries? Is, is, is there a reason, do we have a, compa a competitive, comparative, comparative advantage in that market? I hope so. This is basically <laughs> my entire business now is depending on the, on the belief that the answer is yes. But what I've done uh, mostly outside of Israel is slave trade or, or Plato and Atlantis and stuff like that. Now I'm trying to sell the world, the Jewish and, and Israeli content that I think I know that everywhere I went, people spoke with me about the, the Bible, about King David, about Solomon, about Jerusalem. I actually spent seven years traveling around, began that as a very secular Jew that had nothing to do with his history or a, a little. I, I, first of all, I, I also went and, and had a degree in, in ancient history and, and found out what the history was actually uh, all about. Right. But the fact that everywhere I went, I was Jewish. First of all, I was Jewish. I was from Jerusalem, even though I told them, no, I'm actually from Pasaba. <laughs> yeah, 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 Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, and eventually I understood that I am Jewish from, from the land of Israel. And everywhere I go, people are actually very interested in, in history and Bible. I've done a lot of, of archaeology shows outside of Israel. Now I'm, what I'm trying, I'm developing with, with big channels outside of Israel, are shows about biblical archaeology, right. which is a favorite thing of mine. And, and about, it's amazing because this place, even the Homo sapiens and uh, and the uh, uh, Neanderthals met in Israel. Everything happened here. Right. The first fortified city, the first big battle, first everything happened here. Uh, you can argue because of the fact that the Bible is, is correct uh, or right, or you can say that uh, it doesn't mean that it's right. I'm still not convinced with the, the God factor, but uh, you can't deny that everything started from here. I'm going now, I'm trying to explain the world that the concept of morale, like, uh, um, morality, morality, don't kill people, right. <laughs> don't work until you, your slaves die, even the Shabbat, uh, like so many uh, concepts that everyone are accepting as this is how uh, humankind always been. No, they started in Jerusalem 3000 years ago right. by some, uh, a bunch of crazy Jews on the mountain writing in books. <laughs> nothing much has changed, right? No, nothing. So at the end, uh, I think the answer to your question is yes, we have a lot of content here, which is very interesting for the world. We, of course, I'm also interested in doing documentaries who are not just around uh, Israel and Jews, but I think that the fact that we don't have a company in Israel that has become the name for biblical theology. Uh, or history is just crazy. I'm hoping that my company will become right. this, uh, but we are sitting on a treasure right. of history. So at, at least on my part, the documentary part, I think, yes, 
Right. Cool. So th this, is, this is a sort of an extension of the Israeli tourist business, which is we're being able to tell our story and tell the history to, to a just much, much wider audience. So t tell me what the current project you're working on, just something that's in development that the world is yet to see. So I have uh, a few big biblical archaeology shows in development with channels in the US and Europe, which I cannot specify uh -huh. uh, at this stage, but uh, I have two things coming right up. The one is the show called Enemies, which is an Israeli show. The second season will be out, I think, in two months. It's basically about the enemies of Israel. <laughs> Each episode is about different enemies. Then we have enough enemies for two seasons. Uh, for <laughs> only, only two seasons? <laughs> the, the big ones. The big ones. The, big ones, right. uh, okay. the really big ones. This will be out soon. And the second one is called Birth of a Conflict. And it's basically my attempt to retell the entire Jewish Arab in a different take because the Jews and Arabs are not fighting since the days of the Bible. It's not something that we're doing for thousands of years. Uh, we actually started doing this a hundred years ago, exactly. And if you look what happened a hundred years ago, the, the answer is the British stepped in <laughs> as they did in so many places. The natives are starting to uh, kill one each other, and then the British can do their divide and conquer uh, uh, routine, which worked very well. And then they left and here and everywhere else for hundred years since leave then, the leave the we're still killing it. each other in <laughs> Africa, in the Middle East, in, in India, everywhere. Pakistan, uh, yeah. in Pakistan, everywhere. Basically what happened because it's hundred years, things have now been declassified just recently. Right. So we have uh, secret protocols and secret documents of the British admitting in real time, what they're actually doing, which is very disappointing to find out that someone created the, the, the fight you're actually. Wow. And, and I have amazing, another treasure is there was a show called Pillar of Fire in 1981, sure. made by Israeli television and basically told the Zionist story of the Jewish people and they interviewed Arabs and Jews and, and British who were actually active in the days of the mandate. Twenties uh -huh. and thirties and forties, and most of what they said was left out on the edit room. And somehow we got everything. Hundreds of hours of people telling what happened. Wow. And again, it's very disappointing to find out that everything we know and believe is completely wrong. By the way, the, the Jews and the Arabs, left and right, I'm not serving any narrative. I'm just serving the facts on the truth, which will be disappointing for everyone, but it's, it's, uh, an attempt by Jews and Arabs and, and British to tell the story as it really happened. Right. And it tells the Jews as people who belong to the region, the Jews are not a European country to steal the Arabs land and the Arabs are not terrorists. We actually, the Jews and the Arabs say. As if you read the papers a hundred years ago, the Arabs said, yes, Jews are from the Middle East. That was a, a very common conception. Jews belong in the Middle East. The land of Israel is the land of the Jews. Even the Arabs a hundred years ago thought like that way until again, the British, the British started changing. Messed it all up. Okay. So where is, where can you see Birth of a Conflict? When, when will that, where? Birth of a Conflict is uh, going to be distributed uh, internationally. I don't know yet channels. 
but it will be out uh, by the end of, of, of uh, 2022. And in Israel, you can see it in, in Cannes, in the, yeah, in the local broadcast, kind of hot. Okay, fantastic. Best of luck with both of those projects and overall with, with all the work that you're doing. And thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast. This has been a slightly different episode. We don't usually deal uh, with entertainment, but this has been fantastic. Thank you. It was actually very fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And thank you all for listening. And if you've got ideas or feedback, please uh, do send us an email to podcast at goldrockcap.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, Yaron. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.